Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic's great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wurzlow. Got it out to a oh. kick, kick smothered, check, Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Kicks inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a player. Shake needs to be in perfect the premiers of 1992 the 1994 premiers premiers the 2018 AFL Premiership we're also talking some good news on the injury front. We'll give you all of the finals permutations that you need to know. And we will, of course, turn our attention to the last home and away game of the season against North Melbourne. I'm your host, Honey Badger 35 and joining me this week is Mr. KK. How are you going? Yeah, good to be here. We're getting to the really pointy end of the season now. And we're still very much in the hunt. It's time to push forward. In the hunt, there's a few results that could have gone our way that didn't, but... One more week to make amends. The Eagles took care of business, which is what they needed to do. KK, we will get into the St Kilda game very shortly. Just off the top, another reminder, we will have our final live commentary of the season coming your way on Thursday. The roster for that one, still being figured out a little bit, just to let you in behind the curtain. So a few moving parts there, but I'll be calling the game. Hopefully several people will be joining me as well as we ride the Eagles home against North Melbourne. We play Thursday. We don't know what else is going to happen in the round. We've just got to win, take care of business, and we will be calling all of the action. So we hope to see you there on that one. West Coast Eagles, 9 goals, 11, 65, defeated St Kilda, 6 goals, 14, 50. KK, we had a bit of a uh, an undermanned team, as I said up top, a bit of a ragtag group, a few debutantes, a few kids, People being played out of position, stars injured. The Eagles needed to win. They got off to a decent start in the first half. <laughs> Pretty frantic finish to the game, it must be said. But I've got to say, I'm impressed. They held their nerve. They lost the lead. They fought it back. And all in all, KK, a win is a win. A pretty inspiring one at that. What did you make of last Thursday's game? It was fantastic. I cheekily posted in the thread before the game that it could be a win for the ages with the, the decimated lineup that we had. And I was really excited to see so many young guys get a chance and players playing out of position, see who would stand up. And and boy, did our, our leaders stand up. It was you know, our, our best home away wins in a number of years with the circumstances and how we we found ourselves down in the last quarter. And it looked like honourable loss was, was the way the game was going. And Nanui, Kelly, Gaff, and then that sort of next generation of, of leaders, the younger crowd here, Doug and Ryan Barras, Fantastic, and then Wills over the line. A really good game, and not much more you can, can say about that, and it, it keeps our top four hopes alive, as slim as they are, but all we can do is, is take care of our bit. Let's talk about the performance of some of those leaders, and there were some guys in there that stood up that we can rely on. We know what Nick Nat is, but that was an amazing game, Nick Nat. 18 disposals, it was our third top uh, he was our third top disposal winner, so 18 disposals from him. A career-high 12 kicks, by the way, so he was getting involved. He put it inside 57 times, nine clearances, 33 hitouts, two intercept marks in the final quarter as well. So Nick Nat was everywhere and really lifted us particularly late. But let's focus on Tim Kelly because that is the statement game 
from Tim Kelly that says, I'm an eagle and I'm here to absolutely carry across the line. We were down on numbers in the mids. Tim Kelly rose to the top. The cream always does. And there was Tim Kelly, 30 disposals, nine clearances, four inside 50s. He had an awesome late goal that gave us the lead and it was a bit of a redemption for fluffing his lines earlier on the stroke of halftime. But Tim Kelly was massive. Nick Nat was massive. Gaff was great as well, KK. Just so nice to see the guys that were left in that midfield, that decimated midfield, those were the ones that just wrestled that game onto our terms. Yeah, and you know Simpson would have put it on the players with who we had out that those are the guys that just had to step up and, and take the game to the next level, and the, they absolutely did. Kelly was absolutely magnificent, and and frankly, we didn't um, spend everything we did to get Kelly for him to dominate when we're playing bottom four sides. We got him to, to lead the team and to, to be the difference maker in the games that really matter, and that was a game that mattered, and he had to stand up, and he was happy if he'd kept goal at the end of the, on the siren, really would have capped it off nicely. Just his, his work at ground level, he's... He's as good picking up the ball off the ground at pace as I can remember. He's absolutely phenomenal at that. Um, and then the support from, from Gaffer's playing an unfamiliar unfamiliar game, and more of an inside game. And I think he hasn't really got the plaudits he deserves for the game time he's played this year. I think he's played probably 100% or almost 100% game time through this batch of five games in 19 days. And he's been at the coalface tackling, taking the hits, marking as well and it's um it's really an amazing achievement and that it helps helps the rotations for the rest of the team as well i think darling also played 100 percent of game time which for a key forward and i think he ran the second most number of k's on the ground and that, that that's a huge effort from him and again that would have been someone that simpson would have said um had to stand up and yeah just so proud of the way that the leaders got us over the line that's that's what they're there for and that's the sort of win that can really build a culture and get a win through adversity because we know we're going to have times of adversity in finals and now we know the guys that we can rely on. Yeah, quickly running through that gaff stat that you pointed out, a great call from yourself because this festival of footy, whatever they're calling it, the Eagles played five games in 19 days, starting with the Giants way back when at Optus and then moving through Richmond, Essendon, the Dogs and of course now St Kilda. You go through that starting with the GWS game, 100% time on ground, 98 the next game. 100 the next game, 95 against the Dogs, 100 against the Saints. It makes everything so easy when you know that there is a guy who just doesn't have to come off. Your, your rotation policy only needs to factor in the 21 other blokes because you can just set and forget Andrew Gaff. He's going to run all day. 33 touches a season high for him. He grabbed a goal as well. And guys like Duggan stood up. They were thrown in a bit. You know, we saw Shepard maybe perhaps quiet for his standards, but the back line still Nelson, uh, Shepard, Rotham. Barras has had an absolutely outstanding game as well. We'll get onto him shortly because that was his best individual game for a while. But KK, it wasn't all good news for the back line. So let's start by unpacking that McGovern injury. He did his hamstring right on the stroke of halftime. It looks like it's going to be at least sort of three to four weeks. So a pretty significant out for the last home stretch here of the season. The McGovern injury threatened to derail that whole game. And I have likened it to, on Big Footy this week, the Nick Nat injury way back when against Collingwood, round 17, 2018 there. So right on the stroke of halftime, you lose an All-Australian guy. You lose a unique guy that is, is really fantastic for the Eagles' setup and structure, drives a lot of what we do. He's pinged the hamstring. He's gone down, but everybody else around him stood up. So what were you feeling when you saw Gov clutch for the hammy and, and how proud were you, I suppose, of, of the reaction from his fellow backs? Yeah, it was pretty flat because at, 
at that stage, we hadn't looked that great in the game as it was and to have him go down, and it looked a pretty nasty one. I think the the news we've come out of the scans is probably a bit better than we could have hoped at the time, but I was certainly pretty flat about it. It just it just shows the, the spirit. It was really fortunate in hindsight to get Schofield into the team, um, that he could just go and take that, that lockdown role and allow Barras to be a, a bit more of the, the damaging intercept mark that McGovern normally does. And they changed their roles around a bit. And then you, you've got the... The other old heads of, of Hearn and, and Shepard to, to fill in the gaps, and then Rotham, Nelson, and Cole as well to do that. So they re- everyone really stepped up. Hearn, I think, had 17 possessions and no handballs. So that that's back to the, <laughs> the Shannon Hearn we know and love, just get the ball on the foot and hitting targets, and he had one of his better games as well. So Tom Barras, if you're a fan of Supercoach, it was his highest Supercoach performance ever. He had 16 one-percenters. His career high is 18, and obviously loads of spoils, plenty of intercept marks. Great that we saw Scoey out there, and I think maybe shades of 2018 again, you know. Unfortunately, we had the injuries back then, but Scoey came in, and he stepped up, and he played a role. Perhaps there is a role, at least for the time being, for Will Schofield. So, yeah, it's uh, it's nice to see the depth come up, but fortunately, there looks like there's a few reserves on the way, or a few stars on the way, I should say, that are waiting in the wings and should be back in the near future. KK, we saw a debutante in Hamish Brayshaw, and we also saw a couple of the other fringe guys like Jared Brander, like Braden Ainsworth, guys that were pretty much given the gig because they were the last standing bodies. They were it. We had to play them or we had to play a man down. Now, what did you make of the games there? Let's, let's go with that, that trio there. Quiet at patches, but they all sort of played an important role here or there. Would you have liked to see more of them given the opportunity or, you know, temper your expectations given their experience? What did you make of that trio? No, I, th- I thought they were pretty, they were all pretty good in their own way. I think it was a case of needs must in that game. And they just had to sort of come in, be a warm body. And the more senior guys were going to do a lot of the work. Ainsworth was probably the one of the three that had a specific role to do. Did a really good job as a dedicated tag on, on Jones, kept him very quiet after the first quarter. And then that may be his kind of future role in the team, at least in the short term, because um, he hasn't been finding much of the ball. If he can do a shutdown role, that's going to be really important, particularly with, with Hutchings um, still being out. Yeah, I thought Brayshaw was... Um, I thought struggled a bit. He was good in... had a couple of good moments and really sort of used his size and strength. I'm not that far rosy about his his future, the way he looked. I know it was only one game, and that's probably a bit harsh. And, and Brandon had his moments as well. The conditions aren't sort of suited to to a tall wingman. And then he still had those moments where he just needed to go a bit, bit harder at the ball. So out of the three, I'd say Ainsworth got the biggest tick on the night. And we probably also need to sort of talk about O'Neill. Um, again, had a few nice moments. Uh, Petricelli for his first game back, didn't get involved too much and. Had a horrible shank, which is probably his most memorable moment. But I thought he was he was pretty good and put a lot of pressure and and used his pace on a few occasions as well. So it was a good performance from the young guys. But really, on, on the night they would they just were the supporting cast, and it was left to a, a core group of probably fifteen or so senior guys that almost had to be St Kilda on their own. Yeah, KK. Look, it was really that core group, or what what was left of that core group that did a lot of the heavy lifting. And on that. We know that we were undermanned. We had so many guys out. We were missing Shuey. We were missing Gov for half the game. You know, we knew that Yo was out. Sheed was out in the week. Redden was out in the week. And then your guys like Jeddah, like Hutchings, these premiership guys, Archie was out as well. So we were backs against the wall, and it was absolutely must win. Coming off a brutal loss, we were playing at a ground that we haven't had too much success. It's not like a home away from home at all, you know. It was, it was, it was threatening to be a really decisive game, and everybody was out at the wrong time. Adam Simpson, 
coached his backside off because, like you said, we had a role for Ainsworth that suited what he can do. We got guys like Darling involved. The selection looked like a risk, but it paid off big time with going such a tall back line. You know, Schofield played his role. Barras played his role. For me, that is one of the most impressive coaching performances. Coming off the heels of, like I said, a really flat loss against the Dogs where there was a bit of grumbling behind the scenes about some of Simo's decisions there. So where, for you, does that rank in amongst the, uh, the collection of Adam Simpson wins over the years? Because he didn't have a lot of believers, I don't think, going into this one, but we've absolutely pulled it out there. Yeah, and I think his reaction showed that as well. It, it's probably up there in the, the top handful under his reign. It's be reasonably high up in our sort of all-time home in a way history. In terms of Simo's games, probably ranks up there with the, the 2018 where we US over in Sydney. Again, we had um, quite a few guys missing in that day and weren't expecting too much and just ground out a really solid victory. In terms of the reaction at the end, it's probably similar to the, the Port game of, of 2019. But we were pretty terrible in that game and they just left the door open, got some injuries and we, we stole it. And yeah, so the end of that game was nice, but it wasn't that memorable. I thought, as you say, the game on Thursday was was much, much more solid win um, and really sort of showed the benefits. A lot of changes were made at selection and, and during the game as well. So he'd be, he'd be absolutely wrapped with um, how everything panned out. Now, I was just about to move away from the Saints game, but it's just dawned on me. I actually should have done this one at the very, very top. This should have been the headline. Tom Cole, mate. Three goals, three weeks. Get him up forward. Small forward issues. What small forward issues? TC, Tommy Coleman. Three goals in a row. What a great way that was to cap the game off as well. Yeah, that was that was pretty awesome. He's uh, had a nice couple of weeks. Tommy Cole, he's, he's really grown into the role as the season's gone on and, and uh, gradually pushed further and further up the ground. And I think he's probably shown a bit prior that he, he could he could have a future in the midfield. And I think now he's been given the opportunity. We're showing that as well. And he's really amongst that sort of class of guys like like Duggan and Ryan and Barras. That they're, they're still pretty young players but they are premiership players as well and and now they're still really growing into leadership roles within the team and it, it's great to see for the development this year and, and for the club going forward On to some news for the week and we have two main areas in this one the first is finals, the second is injuries and some good news on both fronts because KK, today it has been confirmed that the West Coast Eagles will be hosting a final in the first week, that is of course if we finish fifth. Now, if we were to finish third or fourth, we'd be going on the road, but that's no different to a standard season. So nice to know that home finals in Perth are at least a possibility. Although it looks like beyond that, it's going to be a matter of nominating a home ground and hoping that the AFL tick it off because they've said that teams are allowed to nominate a ground, but as always, it's their discretion. It's maximising revenue. Well, not as always, evidently, but it's maximising attendance. It's trying to maximise revenue and trying to make sure all the grounds are available. Basically, it looks like, KK, for as long as the Eagles are in the finals, it'll be Optus, and then from there, sort of our pick of the grounds. You'd have to say Adelaide Oval, I would think. That would be. Uh, we're probably not likely to get a, a choice. Unless we finish the top four, we're not going to get a home final after week one anyway. So um, it's probably a bit of a moot point. I'm glad sort of some sense has prevailed, and if we earn a home final in week one, we'll get it. I, I think it's annoying that we're not going to get one further on in the finals if we had earned it. So if we finished, if we won a qualifying final, we wouldn't get a prelim at Optus. So we've been having FIFO football for the entire season and there's been absolutely no issues at all. We've had teams flying in from Queensland. We've had Hawthorne hubbing in the Barossa. We had uh, non-SA teams flying in here and playing each other. 
So I don't, I don't want to turn into a, a political podcast, but I'm really disappointed in how tight the board of restrictions have been. Um, they don't need to break it for football, but I think just in general it's been a bit been a bit silly and it's gone beyond what's necessary for, for good health. And then West Coast are going to sort of cop the, cop the downside of that, unfortunately. I kind of hope we don't get a final at Optus because that means we finish top four, which is going to be uh, better than fifth. Yeah, and that is still absolutely on the cards and, and you'd love to see us finish top four, maybe go to somewhere like Adelaide Oval to play Port. You know, it's a ground, it's a team we've had some success against under Adam Simpson. So, yeah, top four definitely still up for grabs. But if it is fifth, it will be Optus, and this we know now. Now, moving on to the injury front, last week it was doom and gloom. Everybody was out. All our All-Australians, all of our leaders, all of our mids, they were all gone. See you later. Redden's done for the season. Shuey, he might never walk again. We didn't know what was happening with any of them. And yet, the club have come through with some pretty good news today on a lot of fronts. So we've discussed McGovern. He's going to be three to four weeks, apparently, and that puts him missing at least the first final. So not great news there. But if you look to the midfield, you're looking at guys like Dom Sheed. He'll be back this week. Archie could play a bit of a role in the mids on a light sort of midfield group here. He's going to be back this week. Redden, we were worried about the season for him, but they have said, and Ryan Daniels has backed it up as well, he should be back for the first final. Shuey the same. Hutchings the same. Jeddah the same. Now, the only real question mark here, aside from McGovern, is Elliot Yo because he's had that groin, that, that osteitis pubis issue now for a fair while, a couple, coming up to you know almost the two-month mark for this one. He's still listed at two to three weeks, he was listed at two to three weeks last week, so that's not positive, and that is definitely a space to watch. But in general, KK, the vibe surrounding injuries, particularly as it relates to the mids, much, much better this week than last. Yeah, we're going to get down our knees and thank the AFL for the pre-finals bye in the same way we were cursing it in 2016. Yo, aside, all the diagnosis has been generally better than what was initially expected. We could have been looking at a situation where McGovern and Red in particular were done for the season, but now... So we can have them available at some point. I think particularly if it's an elimination final, we'll probably just play them. And then, yeah, as you say, Yo's the concern. Those OP injuries are notoriously hard to to diagnose and, and treat, and you get sort of setbacks all the time. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm losing a bit of hope with Yo. But given what we produced on Thursday with so many of our guys out, you can't help but think, well, if we had everyone back except Yo, we've still got a, a pretty damn strong team and and it's good we can um, give anyone a good game with that lineup to the main event of the week it is the final home and away game of the season for the eagles they play thursday at 10 past 5 p.m versus north melbourne at metricon now kk it seems unlikely that the other results around us will go our way you look at the teams we need to lose you look at who they're playing there's a chance there's always a chance but the main thing for the Eagles is we play first. So all we need to do is take care of business. If we lose, we'll finish fifth. But we're not going to bloody lose this game. We're playing North Melbourne. They are second last on the ladder. They have won... Oh, my goodness. They've won one of their last 14 games. They beat the Crows, who are the only team below them. They actually started the season 2-0, and KK. A really promising 2020 for North has turned into an absolute nightmare. This one, there's no excuses it doesn't matter who we have in. It doesn't matter who we have out. We'll get into teams in just a moment. Top four teams don't lose to North Melbourne, especially not a North Melbourne with really nothing to play for. They've probably got one eye on the holidays already. So, KK, what do you make of this matchup as our last one, as a must win? Percentage not really a factor for us, but this could be a good percentage builder. 
it's very nice. It, it, um, it's a barely relevant game against a completely irrelevant team. And <laughs> Good God, man. <laughs> they have families. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, they are. At this point, I'm not really sure what North Melbourne are bringing to the AFL as a competition. Oh, and no. <laughs> if we talk about how COVID will affect industries, then, yeah, you'd have to be a little worried if you were you're a North fan. Um, getting back to this game, absolutely. They, they are in an absolutely shocking run of form and they probably have got one eye on the finals. They can make a late charge for the number one draft pick, which might mean something to them. In terms of, I don't know if they're that bothered about avoiding a wooden spoon. It's not like they haven't sort of been down there for a while. On the flip side, the crews have never won a wooden spoon. I think they'll be pretty desperate to avoid that. I mean, goddamn, we're due a result to go our way at some point. I don't give Crows or Sydney too much hope of winning the games we need them to, but one of them's got to come up trumps at some point. Bloody Geelong absolutely ruined us last week after ruining us a couple of weeks ago by coming back from the dead to the Bulldogs. So one of these things has to go up at some point. But we just take care of business, which I think we will pretty comfortably. Now let's pick the team because, as I said, there are a few guys available for return this week, namely Dom Sheed and Brendan Archie. The other good news on the injury front is more sort of finals focused, I think. So for myself, it's a pretty simple two in, two out. Sheed comes in, Archie returns. Jeremy McGovern, of course, unfortunately has to go out. And I think probably Brayshaw going out, which is a bit tough because it was, you know, not exactly his, his most fantastic, impressive debut that you'll ever see. But equally, it's tough to bring in a guy once, then drop him. I just think I like what Brander gives us long-term much more than Brayshaw. Ainsworth's maybe found a bit of a groove here as a tagger. So if any of those three miss out, so be it. If it were my call, uh, my call and my call solely, I'd probably go with Brayshaw. But yeah, KK for me, Sheed and Archie return. Gov goes out, as does Hamish Brayshaw. For yourself, who's coming in and out for round 18? I have exactly the same changes. It's a bit tough on Brayshaw, but he, he was in last week because it was literally the only warm body we had available. And the role we asked him to play against St Kilda, that sort of big body half forward, is pretty much what Archie's been doing all year. So that's a, that's an easy swap for me. And then we were so unbalanced last week with number of defenders. So with McGovern going out and Sheet available, that's that's easy to make that straight swap and, and get that balance a bit better. And then we know with guys like Cole and Duggan, that they can be flexible as to where they play. And I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with those changes. We don't really have anyone else we could bring in, even if we did want to drop someone. And I think the other reason I'd leave Brayshaw out is that We've got to look at um, guys in the team now that could possibly be having a role in finals, and I think he's probably the least likely to have an impact. The other guys, um, Brander, height and athleticism, Ainsworth can play a tagging role, Petricelli adds his speed, and O'Neill's just a flat-out all-round better player than Brayshaw is right now. So there's really no argument to drop any of those guys ahead of him. Can I just quickly, we will get into this matchup because there is a, there are a few things to unpack in it. And I don't want to be completely dismissive of North Melbourne because there's no better time to just stuff up somebody's season than, you know, it's your last week. Everybody go all in one last time. Then we can all nick off on holidays and, hey, wouldn't it be great to get one over, you know, West Coast? They beat us for gaff. They beat us in prelims. Maybe a little bit of a grudge there. Who's to say? But can I just say, KK, I'm looking at the round two ladder here. First, Port Adelaide. Second, North Melbourne. What? Just what is going on there? What a spectacular fall from grace. And I know early season ladders, you know, they're not, not a huge deal. But second, and to have fallen all the way down to 17th, they've lost 13 of their last 14 games. Really impressive stuff, North. Look, KK, we will get into one of those matchups. 
And that is definitely the headline matchup of this from a neutral's perspective because it is Nick Natanui, it's Todd Goldstein. They're facing off against each other in what could be a bit of a preview of the All-Australian selections uh, squad here because Goldstein has thrown his name into the ring a little bit with the All-Australian selection. From my perspective, it's Nick Natanui. It's not close. He is in the top five or six in the coaches' votes. Goldstein, I think, is the second highest rated ruck, but he's down in the 15, 20 mark, something like that. So for me, Nick Nat is the clear All-Australian ruckman. He will be going against somebody that is trying to chase him down this weekend. How pivotal is it that the Eagles win that matchup? Oh, probably not as pivotal as it has been in the past. Um, yeah, Nat and Nui will give as good as he gets against Goldstein. Goldstein is a good ruckman, but in, I'm, I'm someone who has watched absolutely zero minutes of North Melbourne this season, I can still comfortably say that Nat Nui is streets ahead of him for the All-Australian spot this season. Yeah, seriously, um, unfortunately, we've been robbed of the number one matchup in which is Brad Scott versus the world whenever we play North. And um, yeah, the one sort of vague bit of interest about North is, has faded away. Uh, like you said, no one's even noticed that they started 2-0 and are now sitting percentage off last because no one really cares. Yeah, so go on, Nick Nat, just... Go out with a bang, um, put the tie the bow on top of your All Australian present this season, and, and beat down Goldstein. Go out with a bang. Well, he owned Gorn back in round one. He absolutely embarrassed Grundy, and I think that was actually kind of the start of this slide in form for Grundy, where some serious questions are starting to be asked about him and his contract value and its length, all of this sort of stuff. So, you know, he's already embarrassed the two mainstays of the All Australian ruck position. I agree with you. Absolutely, go out there, prove your point. Tap it right down Tim Kelly's throat, Gaff, Sheed, all these guys, and just fire the Eagles forward. Because, look, in, in terms of unpacking this one, as I said, top four teams don't lose to North Melbourne. So if we lose, fair enough. We didn't deserve it. That's, that's just an embarrassing game to drop. And if we win, well, the percentage doesn't really matter into you know, where we finish. The percentage isn't going to be a factor. It's kind of a free swing in a weird sort of way. The Eagles should be pretty loose and, and just sort of you know, go out there, be professional, do their jobs. Because I'm looking at North Melbourne here, KK. They're missing Ben Brown. You know, they're missing Cunnington. They've got guys like Taron Thomas, you know, pop up, give you a little bit of a creative spark. He's gone. They had that big free agency haul back in the gaff. What was it, Twenty end of 2018? They had that big free agency class of a bunch of guys that I can't even remember which one's which. And they've basically dropped them all. I think Aaron Hall is the only one from that uh, class, I suppose, that is still playing. They've got Davies Uniac, who's been playing all right. They've got Zerha, who can bob up with a goal, I guess, but... Frankly, I am just looking at this list and this team and this organisation and saying, I'm very underwhelmed. Get out. Get to Tasmania. Absolutely. Yeah. Just um, let's get this over and done with and take them out. Sorry, I was just checking the weather forecast for Thursday and it's looking... It's clear. Yeah, it's clear. Yeah, 10% chance of rain. In saying that, last week was 90% chance of rain and it stayed dry. The week before was about the same and it stayed pretty dry. So, I don't know. One last one last trip to Metricon, hopefully for the season and then maybe we can get back to Perth, win that, hopefully get across to Adelaide or the Gabba or somewhere better, somewhere that's a little bit less of a sandpit. We'll, we'll see on that one. But yeah, should stay dry on Thursday. KK, if you've got any last cutting remarks about North Melbourne, I'd absolutely love to hear it because I lied when I said there were a few matchups that were important. There's one that's exciting and beyond that, it is literally just on the Eagles to be better. There is a talent gap here. There is a professionalism gap here. The stakes for one of one team, massive. The stakes for the other team, they're probably incentivized to lose, in truth. Like, there should be no fight. There should be no competition. You don't want to see this game close. You don't want to see them let North hang around. Do you have any last slam dunks against North Melbourne, the football club, or the organization, or any of their players that you particularly hate? Because otherwise, I, 
I just don't think there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, no, I don't. I just, I just don't know enough about their list to see if there's, there might be guys that are fighting for a contract. Who knows? I, I really don't. Um, <laughs> yeah, just get on with it. Why are they around? Anyway, I'll, I'll open the floor to you, right? I'm presuming that you're tipping an Eagles win. There is plenty on the line for a win. And as I said, we have to do it. We don't know the other results at the time of our game. So I hope like hell you're tipping the Eagles to win. Tell me by how much are they going to do the business? The Eagles will win. They will win by 35 points. And Josh Kennedy is going to refine his form. Um, if Jesse Hogan can kick four against North Melbourne, then uh, Kennedy should be good for five plus. So he's my best on ground. For myself, I have written down here Eagles by 36. So I will usurp you on that one as I said they have everything to play for because they have no idea what could happen you can't afford to lose this game and then Adelaide pull off an upset and suddenly you're sitting here thinking well what have we just done what have we just wasted because get there do the job got some troops coming back as well Nick Nat should be leading the way for us Eagles just professionally do the business best on ground for me not naming one I injured too many of our players I'm still playing by those rules so I will not name anybody as best on ground I just hope as a team the Eagles lift and get the job done now KK before we finish up today we will get onto those rooting interests I suppose you could say and and what we need to happen all of this is basing the assumption on the fact that the Eagles will win if the Eagles lose, we finish fifth. That's it. Done. Lock it away. If we lose, we're fifth. But if we win, KK, there is still a way we could climb up, even as high as third. But anywhere in the top four will do. It'll get us that second chance and it'll maybe let us sneak through straight into a prelim final, which would be amazing given that we're waiting on Yo, we're waiting on McGovern, we're perhaps waiting on some other guys as well. So, KK, what we need to happen, Adelaide play Richmond. And if Adelaide win and the Eagles win, we will finish top four. On a scale of one to ten, Adelaide are suddenly in good form, apparently. They've won three in a row, but the Tigers are in nice form themselves. They've lost Tom Lynch. They have to travel. Does any of this factor into it? One to ten, where do you think we're going to go? How likely do you think it is that Adelaide will help us out there? I'll give the Crows a three. They're looking they're looking better. Richmond don't play very well at Adelaide. Level. They got touched up by Port when they came down earlier in the season. They don't have Lynch. And I think there must still be some lingering animosity from 2017. If the Crows could throw a real spanner in Richmond's works and knock them out of the top four, they would love to do that. So I'll give a three out of ten. There you go. And similarly, now we don't need both of these to happen. Just one. If both happen and the Eagles win, I believe we'll be third. But just one of these results. We either need Adelaide over Richmond or KK. We need Sydney over Geelong. They play last of all of this group, so they'll know exactly what needs to be done as they come into their game. They're playing Sydney. They're playing at Metricon. One to ten. What sort of chance do you give the Swans? Uh, maybe one. Oh. Yeah, they, they were not very impressive. Yeah, not very impressive going against Brisbane. And I, I think I think Geelong, Geelong have been playing well. They had a bad game last week. I think Richmond just got their measure at the moment, unfortunately. Uh, I think against any other team. And they, they've been solid throughout their hub up in, in the Gold Coast. So I think they'll pull it out. Doing the maths, though, if I'm right, that's 90, 70, only a 63% chance of both of those teams winning, which means about a one in three chance of us finishing top four (laughs) if we win. There you go. Big Footy Eagles Analytics Podcast. Love to hear it. Love to see it. I uh, I hope they both do the business and the Eagles come third. Now, let's talk very briefly preferred opponents. Let's just say you can 
design the results to go exactly as you want. You can manipulate it, have any outcome come up that is still mathematically possible. So the Eagles could still play uh, Port in first. They could play Brisbane in second, or those guys could switch. We could play Brisbane in a 1v4. We could play, you know, any number of teams. There's a few outcomes there. The Eagles sneak into the top four. For yourself, KK, who would you like us to play against? Absolutely. I want uh, Port in Adelaide. That's hands down the, my preferred option out of that. The fewer games we have to play in Queensland, the better. Yeah, with our history there as well, you know, we've had some success against Port. We've loved to play at Adelaide Oval of late. As you say, get out of Queensland, always fantastic. So, yeah, I agree with you on that one. West Coast Port is my preferred top four matchup. In a 5v8, now we won't go through the permutations of what has to happen and how these matchups come about because there's absolutely too many, you know, little hurdles to calculate through all of that one. But the Eagles, I believe the list is Melbourne, Collingwood, GWS, Western Bulldogs, St Kilda. I believe those are the five opponents that could take place in a 5v8 at Optus Stadium. So do you have a preference out of those and do you have somebody that you'd least like to see the Eagles play in an elimination final? Yeah, I reckon, um, I think I'd take St Kilda out of that lot. They um, just coming off the, the win on Thursday and if they faced us again in Perth with a lot more of our, our cattle there, and they've also not got a lot of finals experience lately as well. I think all the other teams on on their day could could surprise us. So probably St Kilda first, and I'd take Collingwood again. I think they're really sort of limping to the finish line this season. That, that'd be my two for, two preferred ones. Who who do you think your least favourite would be of that cohort? Uh, that's I reckon I reckon the dogs. We just don't match up well against them. And just too many memories of 2016. Giants are really falling in a hole. They've got all the talent, but you just you can't really see them turning it around. And, and Melbourne are, yeah, Melbourne are probably in the middle of that. They're a bit, bit flaky, but on their day, they can be good. I think the Bulldogs ceiling out of those three is, is the highest at the moment. Just not as high as the Giants could be, but they're in just terrible shape at the moment. Yeah, my concern is still the Giants list is great. Their output, not so great. But we even saw, you know, we, we handled them pretty comfortably back when we started our final game at Optus, you know, when we started this little run of condensed fixtures. But ultimately, it was still a close game. They did fight back. So on their day, if everything clicks, that's a midfield that can still tear you apart. They're where they are on the ladder for a reason because they have been up and down. But, you know, in a, in a one-game series, I don't want any part of the Giants. I'd love to see the Saints. I'd love to see Melbourne because they're just not it. I, I know I don't like Melbourne sort of personally, and it would be great to just absolutely embarrass them again, but I just don't think they're impressive. The Pies kind of scare me. They might turn up. You know, I think the Dogs, they've got one of the better players, probably the best player in that entire group there in Bontempelli, and I don't see any reason in seeking out a matchup with the best player. So, yeah, for me, I'd love to play Port in a 1v4 or, or a 2v3, and if it has to be 5v8, then I think for me, it'd probably give me, probably give me Melbourne, and then next is probably St Kilda. <laughs> Well, that will do it from us this week. KK, a massive week for the Eagles to get the job done. Rock up, be professional, and embarrass a club that, frankly, we have been very, very dismissive of. So I hope for both of our sake that the Eagles can do the business. Thank you for coming on and tearing North Melbourne down a few pegs for me. Yeah, we'll just have to burn this and uh, pretend it never existed if we lose this game. Just pull the whole podcast offline. There's just no chance. There is no chance I'm letting this. Actually, do they have... Internet at Arden Street, though, is there a chance they could even hear this? I think we might be all right. But if they do, if I get, I'll send a telegram. And if I get word back that, yes, internet has arrived there and they can afford it, then, uh, yeah, I might be, 
deleting this one retroactively. But anyway, thank you very much for coming on the show. Guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for keeping up with the live commentaries as well. We've had so much positive feedback about that. People really embracing it as well. The numbers are climbing week on week. Awesome to see. I believe we will be doing one for this final game here against North Melbourne. Tune in then. Follow us on Twitter or on Facebook at WCBFpod. You can follow us on uh, Big Footy as well to get the link. But yeah, just follow that link and sync it up with your telly. We'll explain how. Listen to the game called by Eagles fans, for Eagles fans. No bullshit Foxtel, no Channel 7. Just uh, just these dulcet tones. So yeah, guys, until then and until next week on the show, I've been Honey Badger 35 for Mr. KK. Thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye now. Bye-bye.